Welcome to Going Underground, a podcast by yourcalling.co.uk. My name is Graham Smith, Editor-in-Chief of Your Calling, and today we welcome back guest presenter Miles Salter. Miles is a York-based writer, musician and poet, and frequent contributor. In this episode, and just in time for Christmas, we have a very special guest. Miles and I are joined by Don Powell of legendary rock band Slade. Here's Miles. We are very pleased to be talking to somebody who occupies a unique position in pop music history. Don Powell has lived quite a life. With Slade, the band he played drums for, he toured the world and enjoyed fame and fortune. The band had huge success in the 70s with 12 top five singles, three of which went straight to number one. November 2022 saw the 50th anniversary of Slade's number one album, Slade. It went straight to number one in the UK and remained on the UK charts for 34 weeks. Despite huge success in the 70s and 80s, the band have not always enjoyed harmonious relationships. But there have been other moments in Don's life that have been nothing short of tragic, including a car crash that almost claimed his life. But he remains passionate about music. His band Don and the Dreamers recently released a cover of the Slade hit, Far, Far Away. And the members of Don and the Dreamers have appeared on 1,000 records between them. Don, thank you very much for being oh, on our podcast. It's great to talk to you. No, it's my pleasure, mate. I mean, thank you for making the contact. It's going to be a good one, I think. <laughs> well, as soon as I got an email saying uh, we could interview Don Powell from Slade, I was like, Graham, I think maybe you might be interested in this. So we were like, we were both up for it. So, no um, gosh, where to start? I My first question was... Um, do you still get excited about about playing drums and playing music? Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure, mate. Every time I do, I've always said, um, as soon as I stop enjoying or I feel like it's a chore, I'm out. You know, I, I I've met quite a few people who, you know, feel that way as if they, you know, they don't want to play or they don't want to go on stage. I said, well, how can you do it? You know, how can you do that? You know, and like I said, as soon as I don't get that rush. Then I, I, I shall finish. Do you when you when you're not playing when you go through a period of not playing? Do you think, oh, I want to I want to get back to it again? Oh yeah, I mean, it, well, I suppose what it is when you think of how many years I've been doing it. You know, it, it's it's been my life since the well, just the late sixties, really. And um, you know, I've I've been lucky enough to travel the world like I have and places I never ever thought or dreamt that I'd be going to and it's just it's been my education really Miles you know sort of thing I mean being able to go to you know places like the old eastern block as it was then it's just been a total eye-opener it's been fantastic yeah you must you must feel very lucky to have had those experiences very very lucky actually I usually Get that when when I when I come back home and I speak to people, you know, and I'm I'm talking about flying across all the Russian states to Vladivostok and places like that, and most of the people I know have never been outside their hometown, you know. So you know, and that's what that's when it makes me realise how lucky I've been. I wanted to ask you about your the 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 black country roots um, yeah. that that Slade had because. There were quite a few bands that came out of that of that Midlands area. Uh, Robert Plant yeah. uh, from Zeppelin was was from around there. The guys from Black Sabbath were from were from Birmingham. 
Um, there was quite a few musical connections that came from that area, wasn't there? Very much so. I mean, there's like Jacqueline, ELO, Roy Wood, or, you know, lots of, like you said, Black Sabbath, Robert Plant. I mean, we used to play all the pubs and clubs together, you know, sort of very, very often not many people in there. I mean, I remember playing one pub and there's four people in, you know, sort of thing. And I remember playing this restaurant uh, that was part of this zoo uh, just on the outskirts of Wolverhampton. And Robert Plant was there that night and uh, we hadn't seen him for ages and uh, we we're asking what he was doing. He says, well, not, not much. He said, but Jimmy Page has asked me to join this band. He said, uh, it means I can go to America. So I think I'll, I think I'll do it. I mean, the rest is history, so to speak. With, with Jeff Lynn, we used to play all the pubs and clubs together. And uh, you know, even then, he always wanted to be in the Beatles. And then he started living at George Harrison's house and producing the last, very last two Beatle records. I thought, he's getting closer. He's, he's getting closer. <laughs> but no, it, it's fantastic, really. I mean, I don't know. Um, when when I go back, back to my hometown, it's all, all the places we used to play in those days, be it like just, just like pubs and clubs, they've all gone. I, I don't know uh, where, where young bands play today. Yeah, the, 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 there's definitely been a decline in in the number of smaller live venues where bands can play. That that's true. Do you do you see any of those people? Do you see people like uh, Robert Plant or or Roy Wood or those kind of people? Do you ever see those kind of guys? I haven't seen them for a long time. I um, I saw Robert Plant uh, in, in in London. Actually, when I was over there. Uh, I saw Robert Plant then, and we just had a good laugh. And um, sort of, I see. Uh, go and see the often bands and see like Jeff Lynn or Roy Wood, you know, sort of thing. And um, it was an interesting thing. I went to see Kiss recently and uh, before the concert, they, they just in, uh, in in normal civvies, they did like a press reception, but it was like uh, they were doing like an unplugged. And uh, I managed to talk to their tour manager. I said, get me. I said, but don't tell them that I'm here because we, we, we played many concerts with them. Uh, in the 70s in America. And um, so we, we got really friendly with them. Anyway, I was standing behind this guy in front of Gene Simmons and, and he couldn't see me. And, and then he sort of asked, he says, are there any questions uh, anybody wants to answer? So I leave, I said, are you going to play any Slade songs tonight? And he said, we knew you were here. He said, look, and then they start they started jamming uh, some of our some of our songs, you know. But I believe it was on YouTube at one point. But uh, no, it's it's nice when you sort of see. Well, when I was still back in Wolverhampton, we always used to meet at this this caravan outside Snowball uh, State uh, Rail Station. We you know, to sort of having hot dogs and mugs of tea. You know, so that used to be open about till two o'clock in the morning. So all the bands used to meet there, like Sabbath and Jeff Lee and Roy Wood, all people like that. And it was a, it was a great time actually, a nice time. Well, we'll talk we'll talk some more about Slade in a minute. But but first of all, tell us about Don and the Dreamers, um, and, and what have you guys been up to? Well, the the, the guy, the the, the, the musical uh, director, a guy named Hamrick, Hem, he contacted me, asked me if I'd be interested, and in, in meeting these guys, these Danish guys. That's where I live now, Miles, and. Um, these are all respected musicians from, from this particular country. And we just had, had a run through and, and it were fantastic. And we've basically done an album 
and uh, we we did release far far away the uh, the Slade uh, classic, and we got quite a few things already to be released in the new year as, as well as an album. So it actually must tell you it was actually great from going in the studio or playing our instruments without any computers. It's just like, like it used to be in the old days, you know, sort of thing, just going in and playing. And it was great fun. So with your with your links to Denmark and you you live in you live in Denmark. Yeah. Do you play do you play gigs around around Denmark? No, no, I don't actually do gigs. No, 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 I mean, I, I, I know quite a few of the musicians, like, but we always, uh, we always go. I mean, uh, just near we, near where we live, myself, my wife Hannah, um, there was this uh, theatre there, and they did a production of Oliver Twist, but with Slade music. Would you believe? And we made contact, and they had the house band play, and and I actually joined in with the house band for one week here when it was on. So it, it was quite nice, actually. The sort of it was a story that that we know of Oliver Twist, but we slayed music. If that makes any sense, it didn't make sense to me when I first heard about it. But it was great the tracks that he chose, and it was it was good fun. Um. So with with Slade, um. You were you were hugely the, the band was hugely successful, especially in the first four years of the seventies, where you just sort of could, yeah. could do no wrong, really. Um, what are your what are your what are your kind of happiest memories of of that time? Well, I think it was being able to tour the world, really places I, I would never think of. You know, I mean, it was not, it was nonstop basically, and battles and forwards to Australia, America, all over Europe, Japan. It, no, it was it was in, it was a real roller coaster ride. It was wonderful, you know, seeing seeing countries that I'd only ever seen on TV. No, we we, we had a fantastic time. And what why do you think why why do you think they were so what was what was it about Slay that that made you so successful? What was the what was the kind of key ingredient? Do you think? Well, I, I think that uh, we we were never able to preach a message. I mean, all, all the records we released at that time were were just like uh, fun records. We just wanted people to get on the floor and jump around to to our music. Really, do you think Noddy kind of got the got the hang of those? He was very good at writing those poppy hooks, wasn't he? You know, they yeah, those I mean, those Slade songs were really were really catchy, and that must have been a big part of the appeal. Uh, I think that's what it was, and, and also Nod's lyrics. Nod's lyrics sort of um, were just like just uh, like like for the bloke next door, really. Yeah, yeah. it was yeah. it was man it was man of the street, but boy of the street stuff, wasn't it? Really, exactly. It's exactly what it was, and and everybody at our gigs at the time could could sing along with with the songs. Very often, I remember Merry Christmas, usually at the audience singing, we just used to stand there and sort of just egg them on. And they used to, they used to sing along. We never had to play with that one. They just let the audience sing it. Well, that's that's a, a tune that comes around every year. So that this yeah. must be a good time of year for Noddy, I, I would imagine. Well, well, it's great. I mean, sort of, um, no matter where we go, I, I must tell this classic story. is When he first came out in 73, we were on, uh, on a UK tour, and I was, uh, I can't remember which town we were in, but I was, it was in the hotel and I was in the elevator, the lift going down and it was playing on the uh, on the, the system in the lift and the lift was quite busy. I was at the front by the door 
And I heard this guy behind me say, I'm so fed up of this record, you know. <laughs> and I turned around and faced him and he went blood red. He didn't know where to look, you know. It, I mean, that's happened quite a few times in supermarkets and things like that, you know. It's, uh, it's incredible, really. I was at school in the early 80s and the, I remember one of my vivid memories of the first term, which was about autumn 1980, early months of 81, was in the changing room, the boys would sing, whoa, we'll bring the house down. And it's one of my, it's one of my abiding memories of that, of that time in my life. But you're so fed up of it. <laughs> I just remember this, the, the passion that the boys sang this song, which, and of course it was a, of course it was a Slade song. Um, and then the other one I remember was um, Run Run Away, yeah. which was a big hit. Well, that, that was a big hit. That was, actually, that was our first hit in America in 85. Uh, it went top 20 in America then that year that that came out. Um, that was, it, uh, it really helped us crack America, that one did Miles. Now, somebody, a friend of mine recently said to me, you must, he said to me, you must watch this. And he gave me a copy of Slade in Flame on wow. DVD. And I and it sat in my it sat in my house for ages and ages and ages. And and a few months ago I finally watched it. And I was really impressed that you guys did Spinal Tap years before Spinal Tap did Spinal Tap. Yeah, I know. But uh, no, actually, because uh, the company that made uh, Slade in Flame had already done that'll be the day on Stardust. And they approached our office. They wanted they wanted to do this film, but with a real band playing the parts. So Richard Longcrane, the director, and Andrew Birkin, who wrote the script, travelled with us on one American tour just to get to know the business. And, and we can tell them stories about our past and when we first started and things like that. So all, all these uh, the things that happened, the scenes in the film are all true in, in some way you know, sort of thing. But uh, it's really funny because at the end of that tour, both uh, Richard and Andrew were like nervous wrecks because they, they'd never done the touring situation before. And we were like flying every day, New York to Los Angeles, to Toronto, to Miami. And they were like nervous wrecks at the end of that tour. But it was, uh, we had a lot of fun making the film. Although we did, we did stress to the company before we made it, that we didn't want to do a run around, jump around film. We wanted to make something uh, that's credible. That's credible. And uh, it did actually go against us, Miles, because people really didn't want to see what what really went on in the music business. You know. Yeah, and, it was quite. I, I was quite impressed at, at how sort of um, not cynical, but you were you were quite sort of realistic about it. I particular the scene I particularly love was when you go out to the oil rig. Yeah. which is like Radio Caroline and Tommy uh -huh. Mann's part of the DJ. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, well, that's what went on in those days. That was, uh, the, that was the, I think that was a major part of, of, of records being played in those days, but there was a pile of reports, you know, it was because uh, there, no, uh, there was no independent stations then. And there's uh, in, in the UK, there's only the BBC. And it was very, di very difficult to get uh, on, on, the, on the playlist at the BBC. Now there were also some really difficult times that you had a, you had a terrible car crash in the early uh -huh. in the early seventies, and yeah. I think I think it I think it nearly it nearly uh, killed you, didn't it? Yeah, well apparently apparently I died twice, but 
but I was very, very lucky that uh, uh, moments after the accident happened, two nurses happened to be driving by going on duty. And, and they kept me alive, basically. The sort of, uh, yeah, and while the one uh, called an ambulance, an emergency thing, and luckily there happened to be an ambulance just a few hundred metres away around the corner dealing with a pregnancy. So he was there straight away. So in effect, I was I was very lucky. Do you, do you still suffer from what happened with the accident? Um, I, I have I have no sense of smell or taste. I, I lost my sense of smell and taste, and and I and I do have amnesia. You know. So if someone if someone makes you a delicious meal, you can't taste it properly. No, I can't taste anything. I said I can taste taste sugar and salt, but that that's that's the sort of thing that comes from the tongue. The general sense of taste is is the nerves in the nose. And uh, when I went through the windscreen, he smashed. I smashed all my face, and, uh, and and lost my sense of smell and taste. But it's one of one of those things, Mars. I'm, it, it's nothing because, like a doctor explained to me, he said you could have been blinded. There's lots of things that could have gone wrong, you know, with those nerves. He said uh, you'll soon get used to it, and, and I have. I mean, I still eat. Uh, the things that I like, or or I don't eat the things that I didn't like. I, I always laughed at myself, and uh, and when my wife Hannah asked me what would you like for dinner tonight, I still always sort of say, you know, mention the things that I, that I remember. Although it's been such a long time now, I'm starting to forget what things tasted like. It's very, it seems very, it seems very strange that it is hard to explain to people that uh, you know when you can't taste anything. Rock bands are famous for uh, sometimes difficult relationships. People fall out. There, there are there are moments of animosity. There aren't many bands who stay friends. Is that something that that Slade has found difficult over the years? No, I, I, it, it, we we've been sort of like friends for for many many years, and we we know each other so well. I mean. We've had our ups and downs like any band. It's like a marriage, really. I mean, sort of, we we sort of, we learn, you learn to know um, what not to say or when to leave each other alone sort of the thing, you know. So, um, so of course, we had, we had our arguments like anybody in, in relationship, but it, 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 it was never sort of um, kept, you know. It, it was done and that was it. And uh, we, we were just like my brothers, really. You know, because we've been because remember we we were together about five years before our success, and uh, we went through some hard times together. So we, we learned we, we were such a close unit, you know. So we, because of the the hard times that we went through, and uh, it, it was just something that we never even think about or talk about. We were we were just like uh, like brothers. I probably knew the band more more than I knew my brother. Do you think it's important for bands to go through that that testing difficult very, period? Very much so, really, very much so. I mean, sort of the times when we did the thing in Germany when we never got paid and we we were relying on people to buy us bags of chips or whatever, like and like sharing bags of chips in the back of the van. You know, it, it's hard to explain to people that kind of thing. You know, or having to sleep in the van because. Uh, we couldn't get a bed and breakfast or whatever. Could we couldn't afford a hotel? It was just bed and breakfast, or all of us in one room. But uh, it's just what it's just a part of learning, really. It's like like anything like that. I remember the first time 
we had a hotel and a room each. It was very strange. I remember calling Jim Lee up and saying, what are you doing? I've never been in a room on my own before. I'm bored. <laughs> you know, what are you doing? You know, sort of thing. And that, it took a long time to get used to that kind of thing. Um, I'm assuming you're in touch with, with Noddy. How does, how does Noddy feel about the whole Slade phenomenon these days, do you think? Well, we, we, uh, uh, if it's happened this, this week, Miles, about 35 of us, like musicians, actors, writers, we get together in London and have a lunch together. And uh, Nod wasn't there this week, but normally when, when we're there, we have a, have a real good laugh about all the different things that went on. You know, sort of, yeah, and uh, and how incredible it was for us being able to travel the world and see all these different places that I've only ever seen on TV. And so uh, we've still got that thing together. You know, it, it's one of those things because you can't rub out all those years, you know, a, a sort of overnight, you know. I mean, we had incredible success and, and it was fantastic, you know, and I defy any band or artist to say differently. Your manager was Chas Chandler, who had managed, uh, I think he managed The Animals and Jimi well, Hendrix. But he, he, he was one of The Animals. Oh, he, he was, was one of The Animals, sorry. He, he, he was the bass player of The Animals. They, they were successful all over the world as well. And uh, so the story goes, when The Animals uh, were about to break up, they're on their was... last, tour, last tour of America, and he wanted to get into management and record production. production. And uh, apparently this uh, girlfriend of his said, come and see this guy down in his club. And it was Jim Hendrix. What was Chaz like? Was he quite un uncompromising character? Well, not, not really. I mean, he, because he'd been through it as well with the animals, he knew exactly uh, how to sort of um, steer us, if you like. I mean, sort of keep us away from the... You know, I don't know, just the hardships of, of touring, really, try to make it uh, as, as comfortable as it could be. Although, you know, I mean, we had the hard times touring, but, you know, I mean, so it was nothing really. You just took it in your stride and he helped to try and make it easy for us because he'd been, he'd been through it himself with the animals. Final question. When you look back on it all, Don, on all the craziness and the, the success and the excess and the ups and downs, yeah. When you look back on it all, what, what are the things that you're most proud of? Uh, well, the success, really, the, the, the hit records. I mean, sort of, it's really strange. I mean, sort of, we were lucky enough, we had 24 hit records, and uh, but people only remember us for Merry Christmas. <laughs> I, I, I always laugh, you know, I mean, when, when I sort of meet people, it's, oh, you're, you're, you're the guy that sang Merry Christmas, you know. So what, what about all the other 23 hits? But don't get me wrong, it's been fantastic. I mean, I've been so lucky, Miles, to travel the world like I have and see places that I've only ever seen on TV. So really, it's, it's been a fantastic roller coaster ride. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Don. Thank you so much for talking to the Going Underground podcast from your call. It's been, it's been a pleasure to chat to you. Thank you very much. Thank you for making contact, Miles. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. You have been listening to Going Underground, presented by Miles Salter and produced by Graham Smith. If you haven't already, be sure to check out our website, yourcalling.co.uk. And why not head to your podcast platform of choice to hear more episodes of Going Underground or our sister podcast, The Five Albums You'll Hear in Heaven. Until next time, be well and happy listening. Mm -hmm.